It's midnight in America, and this is the Hour of Decision. My name is Lou Moore. Hour of Decision is produced by News for America at newsforamerica.org. Tonight, we're going to talk about a little crass politics, specifically talking about uh, some of the messaging against Donald Trump emanating from Nikki Haley and from friendly news media trying to boost in some way the pathetic, faltering campaign of bird brain. So, you know, we've seen with the Trump reporting, you know, he's so terrible, he doesn't want to fix immigration. He told the Republicans to vote against this, against this great bill, that bill that would allow 5,000 illegal aliens come in every day like a clock. Uh, you know, that Trump is a criminal on several fronts, and I won't get into all the lawfare stuff right now. And even the attack on him that his memory is slipping, which I find kind of bizarre. But then there is the whole Nikki Haley narrative. And it's not that Nikki Haley is going to beat Trump. Uh, that's not going to happen. I think we all know that uh, would be a ridiculous idea. But this idea that uh, Nikki got uh, 40%, actually 38%, in South Carolina, and she got about 40% in New Hampshire, and hmm, Trump's in big trouble because uh, he can't afford to lose any votes against Biden, 40%. And they people shove a microphone in the face of a bunch of folks, exit polling or whatever, and they say, uh, and I'm not voting for Donald Trump no matter what. And, you know, supposedly that was half about, if I remember correctly, in South Carolina. Uh, I think it was Fox News. A very anti-Trump outfit, news for stupid people, as Steve Bannon calls them, uh, the internationalist foreign-owned Fox News, uh, poisoning the well wherever they can uh, with the Donald and trying in any way they can to still prop up uh, Nikki Haley. And, of course, you know, uh, drubbed in her own home state of South Carolina, uh, drubbed in New Hampshire, drubbed in Iowa, lost to none of the above in Nevada. You know, we're going to have another test today in Michigan, but it's not likely that uh, the results are going to be much different. But so is Haley going to even continue? I mean, story essay, the Koch brothers, the infamous Koch brothers, uh, have pulled out uh, from the Haley team. But we also heard not too long ago that several big uh, Democrat donors have swung in to prop up her campaign. And with the Super Tuesday primaries coming up in uh, March, coming up pretty quickly, you know, uh, usually the decider, particularly for the Republicans, where there's some winner-take-all primaries, and there's a whole bunch of them on one day. You know, th there are several of those. I think it's 11 of 16. I, dang, I didn't get the exact numbers, but you can look them up. Check me out. Most of these primaries are also open primaries which means independents, uh, in some fashion or another, independents can vote and possibly Democrats. And, of course, there was some chicanery planned uh, in Iowa and New Hampshire that was not effective for Nikki. They say not as much in South Carolina. But, you know, she's been getting Democrat votes right along in these primaries and will still have the opportunity to get people, not just that might think she's a good candidate that are Democrats, or independents, but people who are trying to cause a little trouble uh, for the Donald. You know, that comes into play when it's not a closed primary. 
But some of this reporting, and I heard John Roberts on Fox the other night, my goodness, Nikki Haley, almost 40%. The Republicans need to take a look at this. This is terrible. Trump needs all the Republicans if he's going to beat the great Joe Biden in November. But, you know, there, there's some disingenuousness, disingenuous, I can't even say it, disingenuous communications, I'll say, about this topic. And, and the first one is uh, the primary voter, uh, there's not as many of them. There's a lot more voters in the general election. Now, it varies uh, between states, and it varies depending on how competitive both of the primaries are. Now, like in New Hampshire this time, or in South Carolina this time, uh, the Democratic primary had not very many votes in it total because there's no contest over there. And where the Republican Republicans had record turnouts, at least I'm told, for South Carolina and for New Hampshire, um, because of Trump versus Haley. So, uh, but... Still, and, and you know, uh, these lesser uh, participated in contests like the off-year congressional elections or the presidential primaries in the presidential year, the numbers are going up. But still, but still, there is a voter type that does not vote in primaries, and you can barely get them out for the general election. Uh, so the primary voter is uh, fewer in number. And usually better educated, which doesn't bode well for Trump, uh, a different type. And they have different reasons for voting. Uh, you know, some people are just voting for Haley because cheapers. They'd like to see a woman become the Republican nominee or whatever, but they're still going to vote for a Republican in the general. There's others that say, oh, no, I'm voting for Haley because I hate Trump. I'd never vote for Trump. Anyhow, there's all kinds of reasons that primary voters do what they do, and it's not always easy to determine uh, what those are. So there's fewer primary voters, so 40%, if 40% don't vote for Trump in a primary, that's not 40% of the general election voters that are going to be voting and actually deciding the final contest this November. It's fewer, and like I said, it's kind of hard to gauge because, you know, there's not, it's not competitive on both sides, Republican and Democrat, but there's no question that throughout the history of presidential politics, there's fewer primary voters and people that vote in the general election. So uh, in the general election, uh, there's a number of different factors. One, all the marbles are on the line. Duh. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Uh, there's huge turnout operations. Now, we don't know how huge or how effective, particularly the Republican turnout operation is going to be this November, but they will have one. The timing of the election with everything going on around it uh, in the general election, the other issues, like in this case, incredibly horrific immigration, the possibility of three or four wars overseas, the very, very dicey and inflationary nature of the economy. These are reasons that bring more people out to a general election. So does high partisanship. This is an argument I've been making for a long time to my friends that say we have to have voting without ID, we have to have voting on the internet, we have to make voting easier and easier and easier, we need 16-year-olds voting, and we need all these different things to make it comfortable and nice 
for people to vote when they don't vote because it's easier to vote. They vote because they're motivated to vote and high partisanship, a high partisan tone to an election, whether you like the fact that there is a, a huge, uh, excuse me, partisan divide in the country right now or not, uh, that brings a lot more people out to vote, uh, greatly inflating, in particular, the general election turnout. And let me tell you right now, I've seen uh, statistics on this inside baseball type of stuff uh, in 2016 and in 18, the stuff that was taken after the 16 election. The Trump voter, I'm not talking about the normal Republican that goes into the ballot box or opens up their vote by mail and sits in the kitchen table and just goes Republican, 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 Republican. And so Trump gets their vote. But the other voter that's voting for Trump, one that would not normally vote for a Republican or would not normally vote, which is my point, there's a lot of those folks, a huge number, a frightening number, if you're in the Trump operation. That's what we call a one out of four general election voter. They don't vote uh, in the primaries. They don't vote in the off-year election. They vote only for president and because they're motivated for whatever reason in this case, to vote for Donald Trump. So that has to be factored in when you say Nikki Haley got 40% uh, in the South Carolina primary the other day. It's uh, really good for her. It's terrible for Trump. And uh, then there's the come home factor. Uh, they're polling people. I think it was half of the people they polled uh, coming out of the voting booth in South Carolina uh, who said they were voting for Haley, said they would not vote for Trump under any condition, blah, blah. Whatever the number is, whatever the number is, it will be less in terms of what happens on Election Day. Because for whatever reason, some people get worked up about the primary, the fact that Trump called her bird brain, or that she's called him all kind of things, and she's talking about him being a sinking ship and blah, blah. And people can get worked up by this messaging, but it doesn't necessarily mean it will carry over to the general election. Now, I remember in 1968, and I wasn't very old then, and a lot of you weren't around then, but in 1968, the Democratic Party, I mean, my God, they had Vietnam going on. Uh, the convention turned into a big riot. Uh, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, the uh, establishment pick, Hubert Humphrey, was loathed by the huge anti-war movement. He was trying to defend President Johnson's uh, policy in Vietnam. And people said and he won the nomination, Hubert Humphrey, Democrat nominee in 1968. And people said, man, he doesn't have any chance at all. He's going to get wiped out. And his opponent was Richard Nixon, who was way, way up in the polls. But uh, Nixon almost was defeated, and it was an extremely razor thin margin, close election, and close in the Electoral College, fairly close, because the Democrats came home because they hate Nixon. Democrats were, particularly back then, uh, people may not remember this or understand this, but uh, the, the amount of press uh, attacks, a, a pogrom of Nixon, it, it, it's hard to describe now. And there was, you know, a tremendous negative feeling among partisan Democrats toward Nixon. And so, despite the unbelievable divisions in the Democrat Party, most of them came home and they almost elected 
Hubert Humphrey. And, uh, and so uh, this election will be perceived as competitive, and, and the issues are very significant, and the partisanship is very high, so a lot of people are going to be voting. Some suburban moms, we don't know how many suburban housewives that are now populating the Never Trump movement and voting and some significant numbers for Nikki Haley. Some of them will come home. We don't know how many, but some will. And uh, then that one out of four Trump voter uh, will probably show up in pretty large numbers this time. I'm not factoring in the election hijinks because when I when I break down a race this way, I, I just don't know what to do with that. And we have SecureVote.News. We're very cognizant of the problems in a number of urban cities, uh, uh, urban areas, and other places with our elections, but I'm just not going to factor that in uh, to this analysis today. But, and you can also look at Ronald Reagan. Uh, When you think, uh, when you think of Republicans as a Trump, he's too extreme. I just never vote for him. I'm a never Trumper. Uh, It's hard for some people to understand this, but in 1980, when Ronald Reagan won the presidency for the first time, he was still considered an extremist. Jimmy Carter was calling him the candidate of the Ku Klux Klan, and he really thought that would stick as an attack back in 1980. Um, like Bird Brain, Nikki Haley may do with this no labels outfit as we continue with this election. Uh, like that possibility. In 1980, a congressman named John Anderson, a Republican, uh, ran against Reagan, ran all the way up until, you know, the final count, and uh, for a while was polling as high as 20%. And people were saying, well, Reagan can't win. He's an extremist. Look, uh, Republicans are breaking away. I'll never support Reagan. I'm going to be with John Anderson all the way. But uh, that isn't what happened. Anderson did get 7% of the vote, which is like double or three times what your normal third-party candidate that's not a real juiced-up third-party candidate, a Ross Perot type, or maybe a Bobby Kennedy type. That's yet another angle to this race. But, you know, 7% is not bad uh, nationwide. He didn't win any electoral votes, but Anderson got 7% of the vote, but still... A lot of those folks who had the polling numbers up doubled that and more for Anderson, the anti-Reagan, the never-Reagan vote in 1980 kind of melted away, and a lot of more liberal, moderate-type Republicans uh, held their nose and supported Reagan. And, you know, there was, I would argue, the beginning of this change in the party system uh, maybe began with Reagan because you did have affluent suburban, same same breakout we're seeing right now, some affluent suburban moderate Republicans of the 1980 period uh, vacated. They either went to Carter or they went to this candidate, John Anderson. But, but guess who came in to support Reagan? Ever heard of a Reagan Democrat? Millions of them. Auto workers, blue collar primarily, but ethnics, a lot of them in the city or in the suburbs right outside the city, less affluent, blue collar folk. The Reagan Democrat came into the picture because there was starting to be, even then, this shift in the party system 
And I would argue, you know, that's continued in spades with Trump. I think there's going to be a whole nother tranche of like auto workers, truckers, folks like this. And I'm talking about the union ones, the Teamsters. I think a lot of them are going to be supporting Trump where they have been counted more on the Democrat side of the ledger before. So we'll see what happens if Trump can hold his numbers in suburbia, uh, despite, you know, a possible Nikki Haley run, despite all the negative media he's going to continue to get. Uh, and we'll see how much, uh, how much growth uh, he experiences in what they call the exburbs, which was uh, George W. Uh, you know, th- th- this process actually, as I think about it, I mean, this has been continuing pretty solidly from Reagan all the way through even George W. Bush, who many people consider today, he's a total rhino, that Bush, he was a liberal. But uh, uh, yeah, even in the election in 2000, I remember seeing analyses of that election where we were losing, Republicans were losing traditional affluent suburban votes uh, to Gore, but Bush was picking up uh, people in what they called the exburbs, the newer suburbs that were farther out from the urban core, not the established suburbs where there was cheaper housing, where people that were trying to raise a family uh, on a blue-collar income uh, were moving to. And that was Bush's greatest strength. That was a, a, in the urban cores all around the country. So this has been almost a continual shift, and, and it's become even more pronounced with Trump. So we'll see how that plays out. But the fact that Nikki Haley is getting 40% in some of these primaries made up uh, of, you know, a lot of independents and Democrat voters, uh, you know, some of whom, and then with Republicans who say they won't come home to Trump, but we know some of them probably will. So we will have to see But I am bullish on Trump. If we can keep him alive long enough, we can keep him out of jail throughout the election cycle. I'm pretty bullish on his ability uh, to win this election this year, whether it's Biden as his principal opponent, whether uh, Gavin Newsom or (laughs) Mrs. Obama uh, rears her head and becomes the nominee. And you do have to remember uh, the Democrats have this all set up. So at their convention, they can just switch Biden out. It can happen. I'm not predicting that. There's a lot of reason to believe that will not happen under any circumstances. But it is possible for it to happen. But whether it's Biden or one of these other folks that you're hearing about or somebody you're not hearing about, whoever the Democrat nominee is going to be, no matter what happens with Bobby Kennedy no matter where, whether Nikki Haley or some other rhino Republican picks up the no labels banner, assuming they can get ballot position in a few states, uh, you know, regardless of all those different factors that could could uh, be significant with this election, I think this is Trump's to lose all the way. And I certainly hope uh, we can get Donald John Trump back in the White House. That is certainly my bias. So watch out. For that information warfare, it's going on all the time, and particularly corporate media that is leaning, trying to lean into a conservative audience and suck up a conservative audience and keep them away from people like me and from people a lot more 
uh, famous than I am that are on some of these new outlets like Real America's Voice, uh, you know, this is information warfare 24-7, including the messaging around something as relatively innocuous as the South Carolina primary. So we'll see what happens as we go down the road. But for now, my name is Lou Moore. This is Hour of Decision, and Hour of Decision is produced by News for America at newsforamerica.org. I'll also point out we have another website called securevote.news where we do nothing but factor in the possibility of election fraud in a lot of places around the country and talk about a lot of other issues adjacent uh, to election fraud and the election procedures as they continue to change in America. So I invite you to go to securevote.news and to newsforamerica.org. My name is Lou Moore. Thanks so much. See you later.